0: divine eros insatiable love for christ excerpts from wounded by love the life and the witness of saint porphyrios whoever wants to become a christian must first become a poet that's what it is you must suffer you must love and suffer suffer for the one you love love makes effort for the loved one she runs all through the night she stays awake She stains her feet with blood in order to meet her beloved. She makes sacrifices and disregards all impediments, threats, and difficulties for the sake of the loved one. Love towards Christ is something even higher, infinitely higher. And when we say love, we don't mean the virtues that we will acquire, but the heart that is pervaded by love towards Christ and others. We need to turn everything in this direction. Do we see a mother with her child in her arms and bending to give the child a kiss, her heart overflowing with emotion? Do we notice how her face lights up as she holds her little angel? These things do not escape a person with love of God. He sees them and is impressed by them, and he says, If only I had those emotions towards my God, towards my Holy Lady and our saints. Look, that's how we must love Christ our God. You desire it, you want it. And with the grace of God, you acquire it. But are we inflamed by love for Christ? Do we run to the beloved when we are exhausted to find rest in prayer? Or do we do it as a burdensome duty and say, now I have to do my prayers and prostrations? What's missing when we feel like this? Divine eros is what's missing. Prayer of this kind is not worth the saying. Indeed, it could even be harmful. If the soul is disfigured and becomes unworthy of Christ's love, Christ suspends the relationship because Christ does not wish uncouth souls in His proximity. The soul needs to regain her composure in order to become worthy of Christ. She needs to repent, even unto 70 times 7. True repentance will bring sanctification with it. You mustn't say, All my years have been wasted, I'm not worthy, etc., Instead, you can say, I remember all the empty days when I didn't live close to God. And in my own life, there will have been such empty days. I was 12 years old when I left to go to the holy mountain. Don't these count as years? I may have been a small boy, but nevertheless, I lived for 12 years far from God. So many years. Listen to what Ignatius Bryanshanenov says in his book, On the Prayer of Jesus. Every physical and spiritual task which does not involve pain, toil, and trouble never bears fruit for the person who engages in it. For the kingdom of heaven is taken by violence, and the violent lay hold of it. Violence here meaning the laborious exercise of the body in everything. When you love Christ, you exert yourself, but in blessed exertions. You suffer, but with joy. You make prostrations and pray because these are things you crave for with divine craving. They are at once pain and longing, passion and yearning, and exaltation and joy and love. Prostrations and vigils and fasting are exertions which are made for the beloved, exertions in order to experience Christ. But this exertion is not made under duress. You don't protest and rebel. Whatever you do under compulsion is very harmful both to you and to the work you are doing. The pressure and coercion provoke opposition. Exertion for Christ, true desire for Christ, is love, sacrifice, and disillusion of self. This is also how David felt. My soul longs and faints for the courts of the Lord. My soul longs with craving and melts away out of love for God. It requires care and effort in order to understand the words one reads and take them to heart. This is the effort you need to make. Then you will enter into compunction, ardor, and tears without effort. They follow as a gift from God. Does passionate love require effort? When you understand the words of the hymns, poetic canons, and scripture, you are drawn towards God with a sense of joy. You enter into truth joyfully. You have given joy to my heart, as David says. You enter into a state of compunction spontaneously, without bloodshed. Do you understand? Christ is joy, the true light, happiness. Christ is our hope. Our relation to Christ is love, eros, passion, enthusiasm, longing for the divine. Christ is everything. He is our love. He is the object of our desire. This passionate longing for Christ is a love that cannot be taken away. This is where joy flows from. Christ himself is joy. He is a joy that transforms you into a different person. It is a spiritual madness, but in Christ. This spiritual wine inebriates you like pure, unadulterated wine. As David says, You have anointed my head with oil, and your cup intoxicates me most mightily. Spiritual wine is unmixed, unadulterated, exceedingly strong, and when you drink it, it makes you drunk. This divine intoxication is a gift of God that is given to the pure in heart. Fast as much as you can. Make as many prostrations as you can. Attend as many vigils as you like, but be joyful. Have Christ's joy. It is the joy that lasts forever, that brings eternal happiness. It is the joy of our Lord that gives assured serenity, serene delight, and full happiness. All joyful joy that surpasses every joy. Christ desires and delights in scattering joy, in enriching his faithful with joy. I pray that your joy may be full. This is what our religion is. This is the direction we must take. Christ is paradise, my children. What is paradise? It is Christ. Paradise begins here and now. It is exactly the same. Those who experience Christ here on earth experience paradise. That's the way it is, just as I tell you. This is right. It's true. Believe me. Our task is to attempt to find a way to enter into the light of Christ. The point is not to observe all the outward forms. The essence of the matter is for us to be with Christ, for our soul to wake up, and love Christ and become holy, to abandon herself to divine eros. Thus he too will love us. Then the joy will be inalienable. That is what Christ wants most of all, to fill us with joy, because he is the wellspring of joy. This joy is a gift of Christ. In this joy we will come to know Christ. We cannot come to know him unless he first comes to know us. How does David put it? Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. These are the things our soul desires to acquire. If we prepare ourselves appropriately, grace will bestow them on us. It's not difficult. If we acquire grace, everything is easy, joyful, and a blessing from God. Divine grace is constantly knocking at the door of our soul, and waiting for us to open so that it can enter our thirsty heart and fill it. The fullness is Christ, our Holy Lady, the Holy Trinity. What marvelous things! If you are in love, you can live amid the hustle and bustle of the city center and not be aware that you are in the city center. You see neither cars nor people nor anything else. Within yourself, you are with a person you love. You experience her. You take delight in her. She inspires you. Are these things not true? Imagine that the person you love is Christ. Christ is in your mind. Christ is in your heart. Christ is in your whole being. Christ is everywhere. Christ is life, the source of life, the source of joy, the source of the true light, everything. Whoever loves Christ and other people truly lives life. Life without Christ is death. It is hell not life. That is what hell is, the absence of love. Life is Christ. Love is the life of Christ. Either you will be in life or in death. It's up to you to decide. One thing is our aim, love for Christ, for the church, for our neighbor. Love, worship of, and craving for God. The union with Christ and with the church is paradise on earth. Love towards Christ and towards one's neighbor, towards everyone, including enemies. The Christian feels for everyone. He wants all to be saved, all to taste the kingdom of God. That is Christianity. Through love for our brother to arrive at love for God. To the extent that we desire it, to the extent that we wish it, to the extent that we are worthy, divine grace comes through our brother. When we love our brother, we love the church, and therefore Christ. And we too are within the church. Therefore, when we love the church, we love ourselves. Let us love Christ and let our only hope and care be for Him. Let us love Christ for His sake only, never for our sake. Let Him put us wherever He likes. Let Him give us whatever He wishes. Don't let us love Him for His gifts. It's egotistical for us to say, Christ will place me in a fine mansion which he has prepared, just as the gospel says, In my Father's house there are many mansions, so that where I am you may be also. What we should say rather is, My Christ, whatever your love dictates, it is sufficient for me to live within your love. As for myself, poor soul, what can I say? I am very weak. I haven't managed to love Christ so very fervently and for my soul to long for him. I feel that I have a very long way to go. I haven't arrived at where I want to be. I don't experience this love. But I'm not discouraged. I trust in the love of God. I say to Christ, I know I'm not worthy. Send me wherever your love wishes. That's what I desire. That's what I want. During my life, I always worshiped you. When I was seriously ill and on the point of leaving this life, I didn't want to think about my sins. I wanted to think about the love of my Lord, my Christ, and about eternal life. I didn't want to feel fear. I wanted to go to the Lord and to think about His goodness, His love. And now that my life is nearing its end, I don't feel anxiety or apprehension. But I think that when I appear at the second coming and Christ says to me, Friend, How did you get in here without a wedding garment? I will bow my head and I will say to him, Whatever you want, my Lord, whatever your love desires, I know I am not worthy. Send me wherever your love wishes. I am fit for hell, and place me in hell as long as I am with you. There is one thing that I want, one thing I desire, one thing I ask for, and that is to be with you wherever and however you wish. I try to give myself over entirely to the love and worship of God. I have consciousness of my sinfulness, but I live with hope. It is bad to despair, because someone who despairs becomes embittered and loses his willingness and strength. Someone who has hope, on the contrary, advances forward. Because he feels that he is poor, he tries to enrich himself. What does a poor man do? If he is smart, he tries to find a way to become rich. And so, in spite of the fact that I feel weak and that I haven't achieved what I desire, I nevertheless do not fall into despair. It is a consolation to me, as I have told you, that I don't cease to try continually. Yet I don't do what I want to. Pray for me. The point is that I cannot love Christ absolutely without His grace. Christ does not allow his love to show itself if my soul does not have something which will attract him. And perhaps I lack that something, and so I entreat God and say, I am very weak, O Christ. Only you with your grace will be able to allow me to say along with St. Paul the Apostle, It is no longer I who live. Christ lives in me. That is what preoccupies me. I try to find ways to love Christ. This love is never sated. However much you love Christ, you always think that you don't love Him, and you long all the more to love Him. And without being aware of it, you go higher and higher. Love makes effort for the loved one. She runs all through the night. She stays awake. She stains her feet with blood in order to meet her beloved. She makes sacrifices and disregards all impediments threats, and difficulties for the sake of the loved one. Love towards Christ is something even higher, infinitely higher.